Welcome to the seventh episode in our podcast series about positive intelligence. And I'm very pleased to welcome Carolyn Smith, a certified positive intelligence coach. Thanks so much, Charlie. We are indeed Carolyn Smith and Charlie Jett, two certified positive intelligence and co-active coaches whose clients include individuals and businesses and nonprofit organizations. And this is a continuation of our podcast series about positive intelligence and mental fitness. Now, in the last session, another certified positive intelligence coach, Sue Das, and I talked about the stickler. And as you remember, the stickler is known for seeking perfectionism and displays a need for order and organization. As is typical with all saboteurs, these attributes are often strengths that, but they, you know, get overloaded under stress and go too far. So Charlie, let's now meet another saboteur. This is the hypervigilant. And this saboteur shows up as continuous anxiety watching for all the dangers and all that could go wrong. Where these can be protective superpowers in times of danger, in the normal course of life, these become obstacles. At best, one might call the hypervigilant a worry wart, crying wolf. And at worst, it prevents healthy trust and good relationships and effective progress in a lot of ways. Some people struggling with their hypervigilant saboteur are often relentlessly anxious with chronic doubts about self and others. When they're grounded, these people show strength because of extraordinary sensitivity to danger signals. They can be proactive in planning and very dependable. But as a saboteur, this brings a constant and unreasonable expectation of mishap or danger. They might be suspicious of what others are up to. They believe that people just mess up all the time. And a person struggling with hypervigilant saboteur might seek reassurance and guidance in procedures and rules and authorities, taking it way too far. Like the other saboteurs, the hypervigilant resides in your left brain and has a loud voice that generally drowns out your wiser self. And boy, you can sure say that again, Carolyn. And, but it shouldn't be overlooked that like other saboteurs, the hypervigilant individuals do have strengths that include, you know, being vigilant, of course, and being sensitive to the risks to themselves and to others, and being capable of instituting and preserving systems and structures that are known to work and preserve order and stability. Those are good things. But as Carolyn mentioned, their hypervigilant saboteurs take them too far. So let's share some personal experience, okay? Carolyn, neither of us has the hypervigilant as one of our principal saboteurs, but we both have had experiences with clients or friends who do have that saboteur. And with those, in your experience, how do they know when their hypervigilant has shown up? Well, as you said, I live and work closely with people who struggle with hypervigilance. Um, and often with uh, otherwise wonderful couples where one partner brings this to the relationship. It is a painful and often sad experience when the impacts aren't understood well and they can't support each other well. So that's a really important part is uh, understanding one another and supporting. So what they would say across the board is they tend to realize the saboteur has been activated 
when they're jumpy and they're on edge, when they're feeling seriously annoyed at routines being disrupted, when, they're, when they realize they've got their back against the wall and they're watching, their shoulders are tense, uh, when they're looking to get to safety or even when they find themselves in harsh judgment of another person, sometimes their sense of touch is off the charts. They just feel jumpy and on edge. Yeah, I can, I can certainly agree with that. And what I see uh, with some of these individuals is also a, a look of concern. You can just see it on their faces that, uh, that they want stability and don't seem that they have it. And they, they appear anxious. They, they even appear maybe suspicious, you might say. And uh, what, what, does the, uh, what do you see as the, what the hypervigilant surfaces in them and, and why does that happen? Well, as you said, you can see it on their face, which automatically has disconnected you from them, right? Like you're wondering what's up with them. They're wondering what's going on around them. So there's this deep sense of disconnect, me versus the world, whatever's going on. Um, unreasonable distrust, uh, avoiding large groups or busy places. Um, for example, um, I would say that the, the person I think of most as an example of hypervigilance talks about large groups even if it's a conference that he's really excited about being a part of and learning or even presenting at, or a group that you know he's fully aligned with, in his head when the hypervigilant takes over, it becomes just a big, scary, unsafe place of people he doesn't trust. Um, another situation where other people are calling the shots, setting the rules, he becomes very um, judgy of what rules are missing, what things could be done better, that they're not actually um, making things safe and making things secure. Uh, something as simple as a traffic jam. When you're driving in traffic and you just can't go anywhere and you can't call the shots, he can feel that hypervigilance surfacing in him. So that real sense of disconnect. Yes, I can, I can share that with you too. Uh, you know, and you, you, you mentioned a little bit about uh, judging a little bit uh, that that in fact, when the hypervigilant activates, it also calls up the judge sometimes as a member of the tag team. And, they, and together with them, they really, really yell in your ear and, 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 and hijack you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the biggest lies, like, you know, we hear the, the saboteur of the hypervigilant saying things like, life is full of danger. And if you're not watching out, who is? Um, security only comes from you know, impeccable planning, and you can't trust anybody. But when that judge speaks up, you know, if something were to happen, you let your guard down, it's your fault. You could have prevented this. Or even simply, if you notice it's happening, you're being a worry wart again. And that's pretty harsh to deal with all the time. Yeah, being a worry wart. You know, they feel like, oh, something bad is going to happen. And, you know, they're very, they're very solid believers in Murphy's Law. You know, if something bad can happen when I'm in, in doing something, it's going to happen and that sort of thing. So, you know, what, what do you think the cost might be to people who suffer from this hypervigilant saboteur is when, they, when, they, when they're unable to turn down the volume of that hypervigilant voice? Well, aside from a constant flow of cortisol, which is the stress hormone, I mean, that's health issues left, right, and center when that is constantly going. But aside from that, imagine living with distrust all the time, 
or that sense of intensity and planning. Uh, it creates disconnect from people around you, your coworkers or clients. It can, creates disconnect with some of the people you care about most. Um, distrusting safe situations and people. You're just never fully present in what you're doing. And it's really draining for you and for other people around you. Yeah, it does have an impact on, on yourself and, and other people, you know, like this is, you know, it's a really hard way to live. And uh, it makes you lose credibility uh, with others because you're always crying wolf. Uh, and, and you have this needless anxiety that just, that just uh, boils over and, and impacts others. And, you know, how would you say that the, um, the hypervigilant gets in the way of somebody's uh, performance or their happiness? Well, like you said about the crying wolf, even if it's legitimate, it's taking it to a higher level than anyone else would consider reasonable. Um, Hyper-focus on details and safety systems at work and procedures, rather than some sense of imagination or being excited about other people's perspectives, it shuts down your ability to be daring or trying exciting things. Um, so the creativity kind of vanishes. It's great if you're, you're all about the procedures and the numbers, but people might get tired if it seems um, too severe and too unreasonable all the time. So puts off coworkers, but can imagine that at home too, when you're distrusting your partner or your kids and uh, family and always demanding things from them that are just a little bit over the top. Oh, for sure. Now, when you, in your experience, when you talk to somebody who, who's one of these, his or her primary uh, um, saboteurs happens to be the, the uh, hypervigilant, what's the most powerful way you can suggest to them that they turn down that hypervigilance voice, the volume of that voice that's speaking so loudly in their ears? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's a line that says a ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what a ship is built for. Um, we're not meant to live like hypervigilant people all the time. We're not meant to live with rules and regulations about absolutely everything. And so the, the key is to free up that energy that's being wasted on too many rules and disconnect and turning it towards calm, laser focus, wise relationship building energy. Um, so grounding techniques, mindful practices, we talk about PQs, right? The positive intelligence, mindfulness and grounding tools, uh, a chance to just breathe, catch our breath and say to ourselves, I am here, I am now, I'm in a safe place. And sometimes that becomes a routine if we do it well and practice well, um, taking a deep breath ahead of time, remembering, oh, the conference I'm going to is about things I'm interested in, and I'm going to be meeting my friends there and my colleagues, and this will be good, so that you are focused on where you're going. Um, and if you find yourself hijacked by the saboteur at an event or in that traffic jam, might need some good, long, safe grounding for a few minutes and some PQ to calm down that survivor brain, that flood of cortisol. I'm here now. I am safe. I will be okay. Reminds me of the Jedi Knights from Star Wars, Charlie. Yeah. Um, when they, when, you know, they're in the midst of battle and yet they seem to summon a laser focused wise sense of calm with none of that anxiety. Imagine that power, that 
perspective that they have different from panic, um, calming down that anxiety. It's a much more sage and wise use of our mind. Yeah, you know, you mentioned PQ exercises. Uh, you know, those are those are habit habits that you develop when you when you do the when the the positive intelligence training. You actually learn how to do these exercises, and what it does is it it it, it genuinely builds some new neural pathways in your brain and and enables you to silence or at least turn down the volume of those uh, saboteurs and then energize or turn up the volume of your right brain where the power of the sage comes in. So tell me a little bit about that sage power that you, you, you activate and some of the techniques that might, uh, might be incorporated uh, to use the power of the sage. Well, quite often with the hypervigilant folks, that has come from memories embedded uh, growing up where there was a significant sense of um, lack of safety, significant sense of danger. And so in a sense, a habit has been formed of, of worrying about it, of anxiety, of watching. So that survivor brain with the cortisol is on fire. It's alive and ringing alarm bells. The PQ activates um, that calm and grounding practice with things as simple as focusing on breath, focusing on touch. Um, I think um, it could be on sounds. What are the, the closest sounds you can hear or the furthest away ones? What's the rhythm that you can hear? Um, tuning into the senses, you know, one sense at a time, the, the things that we can see in minute to detail without judging them, um, just to disrupt the panic to create a very calm and um, routine sort of process of noticing. And that fires up the sage brain, we call it, prefrontal cortex, and turns on a calmer, wiser perspective. It notices what's actually around, what's real and what's present, and allows the hypervigilant saboteur to calm down and that person to get their feet on the ground and breathe again. That's for sure. And then to, to do that, Carolyn, it, uh, it takes a little bit of training and, and habit forming and building up those neural pathways where you can do something so simple as you, you talked about rubbing your fingers together or, or listening to the faraway sound or something like that, that activates that right brain and, and summons the sage or your wiser self. You know, there are other uh, other techniques and so forth that you can use that that uh, I've heard about. That one called the eighty twenty technique, where if you uh, if you that's a lot of things that uh, scare you as a uh, as a hyper vigilant person. Take eighty percent of those things that might might be in that category and put them in a pail. Put them in a pail and put them to the side, and then focus on the twenty percent that are real. You know, uh, that seems to work somewhat. Uh, don't you think? Are there others that you could think of? Yeah, I absolutely. The 80-20% is, is really good in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know, some of those things need to be precise and need to be cared for and watched. So that 80-20 rule works really well. Uh, another piece is the empathy. Remembering this came from someplace real. There's a reason you've learned to be concerned. And when you do that, 
and you notice the people around you and have empathy for them, you realize um, we're all doing our best and it's not within our capacity to change, but to look after each other. So turning on that, that right brain, that sage uh, perspective allows that empathy in a new way that can really, really hush up that uh, hypervigilant saboteur. You bet you, you bet your life on that. And, and you mentioned empathy. It means that uh, per, time and again, you might just sit and close your eyes and do some of these PQ exercises and visualize yourself as a child and an innocent child that, uh, that, that is free of these kinds of things and try to recall what those things, how you felt that way and enable your sage to, uh, to give you more counsel as your, as your wiser elder, elder self when you're focusing on some of these kinds of things. Well, that, that, that hypervigilant is a, a monster kind of a saboteur that bothers many people, as we said earlier, that that's not one of those major saboteurs that plagues you and me, but it, it does uh, plague other things. But uh, it's, certainly, it's certainly relevant and it's certainly uh, there for people who, who suffer from that, uh, that left brain voice that's so loud. Well, and I think that's one of the key things in, um, in relationships and partnerships, which is part of my coaching, is how we recognize the journeys that each person has been on, use the tools of the positive intelligence programs to recognize each other's tendencies and saboteurs, but also their strengths and their gifts so that we can support one another, um, be responsive and understanding of one another, and and you know, develop that level of empathy and um, just a, a, a sense of safety and trust. And those things for a hypervigilant, uh, a person with a hypervigilant saboteur are um, wonderful ways to develop um, those neural pathways you're talking about, Charlie. So partnership in this circumstance is, is uh, always a gift. You got it. And I think, uh, I think you've, uh, I think we've summed this up pretty well, don't you think? I, I do, absolutely. So we're going to wrap up today, Charlie. This was a deep dive on the hypervigilant saboteur. Saboteur with simmering anxiety, always watching for every danger. Well, I want to thank you so much, Carolyn. And you're in Toronto. I want to thank you so much for being a co-host today. And I hope you will consider being a guest on another one of our episodes down the road. Would you be interested in that? I would be honored, Charlie. Oh, well, I would be honored to have you as a guest again. And tell us a little bit about how we can, uh, how someone can contact you. Well, I'd be happy to have you contact me. I uh, have a website, carolynsmith.ca. You can email me at carolyn at carolynsmith.ca. I'm on face, uh, Facebook, Carolyn Smith Coaching. I'm on Instagram, peace underscore Carolyn Smith, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-S-M-I-T-H. That's carolyn at carolynsmith.ca. Dot ca, uh, Carolyn with the C A R O L Y N, Carolyn Smith one word dot ca, and you can contact me at charliejetcoaching.com or on this particular uh, website podcastpq.com. I want to thank all of you for joining us, and we'll see you again soon with our next episode where we will discuss in more depth another 
of the nine saboteurs, the pleaser. Mm -hmm.